It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you grow your e-commerce business faster and more efficiently by cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and guidance from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello, Master Plan World. Welcome to our latest podcast. It's awesome to have you all out there listening. I'm Chloe Thomas, creator of the e-commerce Master Plan. I'm an author, speaker and advisor, and I focus on e-commerce marketing. Today, we're going to be exploring a very important part of the e-commerce customer service mix, the delivery. It's essential to get your delivery strategy right if you want to get the order in the first place. As we all know, returns and delivery pricing and speed remain the top reasons customers abandon that order. And it's also critical to get the repeat order because you've got to give that customer a brilliant experience. Delivery is also a profitability battleground with customer expectations of faster speed and lower cost, which are completely um, non-compatible, if you want to make profit anyway. They're only going higher, those customer expectations. Now, joining me to discuss the topic of delivery is Ian Kerr, who's the host of the Postal Hub podcast and all-round global delivery expert. Hello, Ian. Hello, Chloe. How are you? I'm doing good, and it's great to have you here to delve into one of my one of my favourite little avenues that I don't think gets the gets the uh, the noise it deserves in this world. So it's brilliant to have you here. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, look, I've just given the listeners a very quick, ridiculously quick overview of you and um, and what you're up to. But tell us a little bit about how you got involved in the world of delivery and e-commerce. Oh, series of really bad life decisions. <laughs> um, I, the, the, the Reader's Digest version is this. I grew up in a post office. I, my family ran a post office in country Australia. And as most children of small business owners did, as soon as I was tall enough, old enough, strong enough, whatever, I was involved in the business. And certainly when I was of employable age, I started working on the counter and serving customers at the post office. And from there, um, after uh, after I had a, a short spell in computing, I came back to the postal world working for the Post Office Agents Association, which is the association for post office owners in Australia. So in Australia, post offices are privately owned, much like a franchise, a bit like we have in the UK and in some other countries where the post offices, especially the rural post offices, are operated as a small business with a contract with the uh, the head post office, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so from there, I just got more and more involved with the postal and delivery sectors and set up the Postal Hub podcast a couple of years ago. And uh, now I'm, yeah, hosting a weekly podcast and talking to postal delivery leaders from all over the world each week. Wow. So you're definitely the right guest to have on today, I think, (laughs) with all that experience. Okay. um, What I want to do today is I want us to focus in on that smaller retailer where we can, because a lot of our listeners are those who are doing under half a million in turnover. And I often find that if we focus in on them, then the guys who are doing several millions in turnover actually kind of need to hear the same lessons too. So if we can focus in on those smaller guys, that would be I hope valuable for everybody who's out there listening. Now, for them, the biggest battle, I think, is trying to work out, as the big boys are forever raising the bar, in the UK, Wix, as well as Amazon, are now offering the same day, one-hour delivery options in, the, in our larger cities, which is just a crazy level of delivery service. How far should the smaller retailer go 
in trying to live up to what you know to the levels the big boys are setting if that's not too massive a question to start off with every question is massive when it comes to e-commerce and the delivery sector can you imagine that since e-commerce really took off in the last say 15 years it's become the number one topic in the postal sector especially as letter volumes have dropped off and all these mm-hmm. postal operators are re-gearing their operations to to focus on parcels rather than well, rather than alongside letters the Keeping up with the Joneses effect, or keeping up with Amazon, really, uh, is is a common a common issue for a lot of e-commerce retailers. At the risk of parroting your question back to you, the issue is: can you find a delivery partner who's going to offer the kind of services that Amazon can offer? So, if you're living in an Amazon Prime area, Prime Now, I should say, you're accustomed to getting those deliveries within a certain time slot and very fast. So if you're a small e-commerce retailer, can you offer those services? The answer is possibly not because Amazon has huge scale. So the the next question for me will be, well, if you can't offer those same-day services like Amazon, what's the next best thing? And this is where you can look around and find there are all these different um startups in delivery that are trying to offer services not just for the big players, not just for those big e-commerce retailers, but for small e-commerce retailers, even for bricks and mortar retailers who are looking to bolt on a same day or a guaranteed time delivery service. I'm aware of it. You know, people will have heard of Instacart and various other startups like that in the US that are offering, say, shipping from the supermarket. So you go online, do your supermarket shopping, and then you can have it delivered to your home. Well, there are other companies out there, startups, who are offering these same-day delivery services. I'll think of one in Australia, which is um, basically combining this on-demand delivery with a crowdsourced solution. So it's an interesting way of this intersection of crowdsourcing and same-day guaranteed delivery. But I think the, the when we peel back here, though, Chloe, the, the real question is how can you get your goods to the customer in the way that the customer really wants it? I think the customers are getting more and more savvy, more and more educated when it comes to their delivery options and even understanding that there are different prices associated with these different options. The faster is usually the more costlier. It certainly is when it comes to the delivery sector. Fast, faster means more cost. But I think that the, the e-commerce customer himself or herself has a lot more understanding of what the options should be and that is a good thing and a bad thing for the e-commerce retailer especially the smaller ones who are trying to to, to give to, to offer all these options now can you compete with with amazon can you offer these sorts of sophisticated delivery services i think really the short answer is as i said before if you can find the right delivery partner then yeah you can offer many but perhaps not all of the services that someone like an amazon can do so is it a case of, I guess, guess there's two questions that come out of that. One is, so we should look to what our customers want instead of what other people are doing? Well, in business, you always need to know your customer, don't you? So Definitely. you need to understand what your customer wants. Um, and that's not the same for every sector. Um, I don't think that we can apply the same customer template to everyone in e-commerce. Um, it's actually it's interesting you say that because um, one of my members of the e-commerce master plan world Facebook group, which 
listeners, you can join via ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash Facebook, was um, was putting forth the point the other day that because what they sell is a emergency product, it's something which something's broken and you need the replacement part. What they're currently playing around with is increasing the price of postage because they're finding it's not an issue for the customer. The customer needs the product, they need it urgently. So they're actually trying to turn their delivery into a profit centre because they're not seeing when they eke up the price, it making a difference to to customer um, response, which is a crazy thing for most people out there. Listening, be going, "You're kidding me! How is he managing that?" Um, but of course, that's because they they know their customer and the product they service. So yeah, I mean, definitely listening to the customer. Now the other the other question that um, that came to my mind was, okay, great. So the smaller retailer needs to find the courier the the service delivery company who can match and provide the service that they want. But how do they go about finding them? Because like you said, there's all these startups, all these new guys coming into the market and there's only so many hours in the day. Tendering and getting deals with these couriers is a time-consuming process. All of them want volume, which is not what the smaller retailer always has. And, you know, a lot of them have really great ideas, but never, never managed to get the scale. So you could end up with someone who eventually stops existing. So what's a, what's a good way to to get and find the right delivery partner? Because it seems like a bit of a bit of a nightmare to me. Well, the, the flippant answer would be to listen to the Postal Hub podcast. Not the flippant answer, but I think it, well, one of the answers maybe. One of the answers then is to do that. The, the, there's a growing industry of delivery consultants who will help you find the, not just the right services, but also try and broker the best kind of deal on pricing that they can. And also they understand the different, uh, different products, different price points that the, 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 the carriers have. Um, I know of a number of, of, of these consultants in the USA, for example, who have a great knowledge of the product set of FedEx, the product set product set of UPS and US Postal Service, etc. And so they understand how to how to structure a deal and they will get the best possible price for an e-commerce retailer. I don't want to say regardless of size. I mean if you're selling five parcels or five five items a week, you might not quite be big enough to be to be going out there with a to, for, for a, a broker to try and negotiate a deal for you. But certainly those services do exist. And the other thing I'd say is that just if we're going to talk about price, is that Let's say with Australia Post, listeners have probably gathered from my outrageous accent on Australian. <laughs> but with Australia Post, there are corporate deals available for even low volumes of parcels. So there are ways to to get in to to get a good rate on your parcels that might be better than just going to your local post office, your local UPS shop, or your local FedEx point, or whatever it might be. And I suppose this is also the point at which there is an additional benefit. If you've outsourced your pick, pack, and dispatch to a to a central point, if you're using someone to deliver that service for you, they're able to bundle your parcels in with everybody else's, which often opens up a much wider range of courier options. Well, that's true. And the other the other trend we've got in the postal and parcel sector at the moment is uh, e-commerce fulfillment centres being set up by the carriers, FedEx. Has got into it with FedEx fulfillment in the USA. Singapore Post has a gigantic e-commerce fulfillment center in Singapore. DHL e-commerce is setting up fulfillment centers around the world. So these companies are out there trying to get the e-commerce retailers 
not just the, the the shipping business, but that e-commerce fulfillment side as well. And by being an e-commerce fulfillment customer, you might be getting preferential rates on shipping through that carrier. And obviously, if you go with FedEx fulfillment, you I won't say locked in, but you're going to be only getting those those preferential rates with FedEx. So there's a little trade off there, but. Um, as you said, there's the, 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 there are all these ways to, to get into e-commerce fulfillment that might then help you to get a better deal on your last mile delivery. And I suppose that's not only are those companies going, how can we lock in the business? Well, let's take away the headache of pick, pack and dispatch. But they're also kind of playing catch up with Amazon, who I, I believe are, on, are on, uh, in place of starting to expand the FBA model to be shipping non-Amazon orders. Oh yeah, there's FBA, FBA on site, which is what it's called this week. It used to be called something else. <laughs> and um, probably will have changed by the time this podcast by hits the time air. this goes to air. <laughs> um, and there's shipping with Amazon, which has started off in, in London, is now being launched in LA as we, as we record this and is um, on track to roll out across the USA. I think that there is an element of that, of looking, of, of the, carriers looking at what Amazon is doing. But I think they're not just looking at Amazon, they're looking at the other three PLs. They're looking at what the other e-commerce fulfillment centers are doing and saying, can we get a bite of that? Because when you look at this e-commerce phenomenon from a carrier's perspective, say FedEx or say a postal operator, they've been just making money out of parcel delivery. And e-commerce is more than just parcel delivery. There's all those different stages of e-commerce, and I think that they're awake to that now. And they're trying to make money out of every part of the chain or offer services, I should say, for every part of the e-commerce chain so they can make money out of that. Now, it sounds terribly mercenary the way I've just but put no, that. I think but when you look at it from a business perspective, it makes sense. If you just say, oh, I'm only going to focus on one sector, well, Amazon might come along and eat your lunch. Yeah, and I, I think one of the – I'm going to try and avoid getting too far down that particular track. But I think what it brings to mind for me is that, you know, everything we've talked about so far in this episode, the listeners may be thinking, oh my God, there's so many choices, there's so many choices. Be glad there are so many choices right now because five years ago, there were next to none. And it was an absolute nightmare trying to get parcels delivered on time let alone having a choice of people to do it with so i think i think actually this this new kind of delivery battleground as such is actually a good thing for the e-commerce re- retailer because it means there's now options out there and one of them i want to talk about a couple of um kind of like buzzwords i suppose or acronyms that are in existence in the marketplace right now which people may or may not have heard of who are listening but which i think they ought to know and understand about so ian the first one of these i want to go into is Pudo, which I'll be, I'm going to be completely frank and honest here. The first time I was at a conference, people were talking about Pudo. I was like, I have no idea what you lot are talking about. Is it a crazy new brand of Play-Doh? Yeah. No. I was like, well, this is about delivery. I, what, what on earth is Pudo? And I, in my head, I was spelling it completely the wrong way as well. So everybody out there, it's P-U-D-O. Ian, you are considerably better qualified to explain what it is than I am. So hey, over to you. Pick up, drop off. Pick up, drop off is what Pudo means. And so just simple. Think of it, yeah. <laughs> the original Pudo network is the post office network. So just think of think of it like the post office network. You've got a place where people can pick up their parcels instead of having it delivered to their doorstep and a place where people can drop off their parcels for delivery or it might be dropping off returns or whatever it might be. And why we've now used this 
term PUDO is because it's no longer just the post office network that's out there. There are other networks that have sprung up. I mean, the UK is a great example of the different networks that have sprung up of uh, retail shops that are basically offering these pick-up and drop-off services. So it might be a your local convenience store or a news agency or whatever those sorts of stores where they're trying to supplement their existing retail income, get some foot traffic into the business, and they've partnered with some sort of a network to offer this. And it's something that certainly every e-commerce retailer needs to be aware of. And it's a really, really important reason why, and that is successful first-time delivery. When you have your parcel delivered to a PUDO point, it is effectively a guaranteed first-time delivery. So think about that from a customer satisfaction perspective. If the customer has chosen a PUDO point and the parcel is delivered to that PUDO point, then you've got guaranteed satisfaction that the, the, the parcel has been delivered as per your customer's desires as opposed to whether it's delivery to the home or whatever option might be out there. The PUDO networks offer that say virtually guaranteed first time delivery yeah it really does kind of solve the last mile challenge as well doesn't it it's like there's no delivery driver trying to find your house you're not having to hide the parcel from your boss because he's declared war on people having deliveries made to work Uh, you can pick people your customers can pick it up in their lunch and they can pick it up on the way home from work the way to work and and of course they can facilitate returns that way as well which is um is often a lot more convenient for people than any other option and i think this is an important point for e-commerce retailers is to think about the network density and i'm obviously a little bit biased enough involved in the postal net world all my life but the post office network is generally the densest network but those networks are now being filled in by the, the PUDO points. So have a look at what's on offer in your country and, and see, see what options are available. Some are specific, like UPS has its own access point network. Others are more carrier neutral, so they might accept parcels from various different operators. Uh, some are allied to a particular retail chain, whereas others just don't have any alliances at all. It's whoever wants to sign up for it can sign up for it. Whatever carrier wants to use it can use it. Um, so there, there are different options out there and just need to do a, a little bit of research into what's out there in your country. Yeah, and I think um, especially I would say in the fashion sector, it's kind of like a no-brainer these days with those high return rates, making it as easy as possible for the customer to return it um, because I think that's that drop-off part as well as the pickup is is just a no-brainer in my mind okay oh do you, sorry ian you did a big big intake of breath there so I do you did, have a I point to make if, you, if so all oh, yours i'll do it really 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 quickly um and that is that there was a pudo network um i think i don't think it exists anymore that was offering change rooms as part of the experience so you can pick up your parcel they, try it on la moda offer offer that in russia it was in the uk and i know that uh canada post did try it as well yeah the the um the actual business La Moda, who are a huge fashion marketplace in Russia and the you know far eastern Europe, they offer deliver their delivery driver will wait outside your house while you try on the items and decide what to send back. They also have high street changing rooms where you can go find your order, try it on, and give it back. Absolutely fascinating. Entirely built themselves. They don't use other courier networks. It's all their own drivers, which is kind of boggles the mind logistically. Um, okay, let's move on to my other kind of key 
buzzword at the moment, which is in-flight. Um, first off, Ian, could you explain what in-flight is? And, uh, and then let's have a little chat about how important it is. Well, it's called in-flight today. It won't be <laughs> very soon. Um, some people call it in-transit. Other people call it interactive delivery management. So let's see in this battle of the buzzwords, which one's going to ultimately <laughs> emerge victorious. But the idea is that you can redirect your parcel before it's delivered. And in some cases, even after there's been a failed delivery attempt. So let's say you get a message from, I mean, DPD is a good example. We get a message in the morning that says, we're going to deliver and here's the anticipated time slot. And you can send a message back to say, you know what, I'm not going to be home. Can you deliver it some other time? Or um, there are other carriers that say, well, you can arrange for a delivery to an alternate delivery point. It might be a neighbour, it might be a nearby post office, it might be a PUDO point. So this idea of giving the customer more control, it's obviously very much technology-driven, um, but it introduces a whole load of complexity into the last mile. So should we just maybe talk about this really quickly because this is something that's sort of glossed over in a lot of mainstream coverage of last mile delivery is that the old milk run style of delivery is the easiest and the most efficient. So all you need to do is just think about your local postman, how they start off at the post office or somewhere like that. They go out, they do their delivery route, and they come back to the post office at the in the afternoon. And so it's basically uh, what they call a milk run. And it's easy. It's sequential. You deliver to two high street, then four high street, six high street, and so on and so on and so on. Whereas as soon as you start to mess up the delivery route, you've got delivery drivers driving back and forth and juggling parcels and trying to work out who's going to be delivered when. So there's a lot of technology that sits behind that, but there's also a lot of inefficiency. So it makes those deliveries actually more expensive. So when you're looking at an interactive delivery management delivery solution or in-flight changes, typically it's a more expensive delivery option. Now, not always. I mean, very simple in-flight changes can be done basically at no cost because it's not really changing the delivery route. Australia Post has an option at the moment where you can just send a text message back to say, I'm not going to be at home. And so the delivery person, instead of attempting delivery, will just take it straight back to the post office. Won't even attempt delivery. So you know where it's going to go. So the more complex and the more intuitive that solution is, the more costly it is, generally speaking. Yeah, and it's um, I think the DPD system is amazing, but it's also worth noting that DPD are very restrictive over the parcels they're willing to take, and they really do take the ones that make the most money. Um, well, they're a premium delivery service, yeah. and that's how they've set out their their, their business is that they're a premium service, and so it's. Yeah, you know, we talked about the the frustration of failed first time delivery to a residential address, or the the, the furtive nature of getting parcels delivered to a business address but with both of those models it's fairly it's the same delivery model we were using 20 years ago in terms of when the parcel gets to you so you can overlay a little bit of technology on top of that to give people some idea of when the parcel is going to be delivered but yeah because that's kind of like the other side of in-flight isn't it it's like there's the ability to make in-flight changes but there's also those updates which now come out to the customer, which I know save a lot of the, my clients huge amounts of time in terms of inbound customer questions. Where's my parcel? What's happening? Because that proactive updates are going out to them, even if it's you know simply going out via Royal Mail and there's no tracking on it. The customer still feels slightly more reassured if they're at least getting updates telling you it's been dispatched. It should be with you by Tuesday. So I think that's, that's another, another key angle of in-flight for me. Oh yeah, and that the, generally speaking, tracking has been great for the sector because 
it used to be an optional add-on and now it's basically standard because customers expect it. Customers' expectations have been driven so high um, that they expect, the, the first of all, tracking. They expect now the notifications. The questions, an interesting question in the delivery sector now is what sort of notifications do customers really want, what do they need, uh, what are the most value for customers? Uh, I know, as a, speaking as an e-commerce customer, there's a limit as to how much information I really want. Yeah, I, and I, I have to say the fact that um, myself as a customer at the moment, if Amazon are delivering something to me via DPD, the process of that um, that delivery, I would get updates on my Kindle Fire at most points that it's happened. I will get updates from DPD allowing me to do my in-flight changes. I will also get updates on my phone because I have the Amazon app installed and they're sending me emails about it. And it's like, I like the, you know, the fact you're being so thorough, Amazon, but I've got bored of dismissing things I already know about, if that makes sense. So I think there's... It's like a, like a boyfriend or a girlfriend that's just telling you too much. Yeah, exactly. But, but then there's other people who would only look at the fire, the, you know, the, only look at the fire, only look at the Kindle fire, yeah. who are going, oh, that's brilliant. And and to be fair, my point of view changes if I'm travelling somewhere and I get a notification to tell me it's been delivered than when I'm at home and I can physically have it in my hands at the same time as I'm dismissing the notification to tell me it's arrived. But I start ranting now. So, Ian, I've got one last question for you before we go into the top tips, which is, what are the cool things the listeners should know about that are likely to be coming up in the next few years? Oh... <laughs> I think a lot of the cool things are already happening mm-hmm. um, and the cool things that people think are cool are actually stupid. <laughs> Let me explain are that. You, are, you men- are you thinking about drones? Oh, <laughs> drones. You, you were goading me, aren't you? You were hoping that, I, you, that was just what you were pitching. You think, how can I ask a question that's going to set Ian off with regard to drones? Now, for those of you who aren't regular listeners to the Postal Hub podcast, I'm a sceptic when it comes to drone delivery. There's a lot of people say, hey, drone delivery is going to change everything. It's going to be fast. It's going to be environmentally friendly. Well, you know what? Research has come out to say it's not that environmentally friendly necessarily. And there are lots and lots of issues when it comes to drone delivery. I think drone delivery is one of these things that has a place. So if you're talking about delivery to some remote addresses mm-hmm. where um, it's just not efficient to get a vehicle down a long laneway, for example, or think about some of the driveways in Australia. They can be kilometres long, some of these massive rural properties. So drone delivery might be actually a decent idea there. But in suburban areas, what is the point of drones? Just think about drones flying in certain parts of, say, the USA, where gun ownership is high. Do you reckon those drones <laughs> are going to stay in the sky very long? I don't think they are. And the regulations around drones really haven't been fully formed yet as well. No. And so does a drone fly over your backyard? Well, you know, is a drone invading your airspace? There's lots of privacy concerns around this as well. Do you really want a drone flying over your backyard that could be taking photos of your backyard or your kids playing around the pool, for example? Loads and loads of privacy issues there that haven't yet been resolved. There's also the um, ground drones. So you, there are different models going around at the moment where there's a, a drone which has a number of wheels and goes along the ground. There are some being trialled in, in parts of the UK, in Switzerland, in the US. And again, I'm not 100% convinced that they're going to be a great delivery option the, for a number of reasons. Um, but 
the the other when we talk about delivery innovations and autonomous vehicles and things like that, I mean, there's a lot of work being done with autonomous delivery vehicles at the moment, as in proper vehicles, so not little things that are buzzing mm. through the sky, but basically a van that will be autonomous. And the question is, how is that autonomous driving technology going to be effective in making your parcel deliveries more efficient? For some e-commerce retailers, you'll say, well, you know, just have the wow factor is something to be able to say, you know, we're doing this. It might make you stand up, but it only makes you stand up briefly. It's like being a green company, saying that you're environmentally friendly. For a while there, that was a competitive advantage, but there's very little competitive advantage these days in saying that you're green. So ha- returning to the question of autonomous vehicles, if that's something that's cool that's coming up, yes, I think it will be because there are things like you know self-driving parcel lockers that could be on the go. Um, we've seen already that um, Deutsche Post in Germany is trialling a little robot that follows the postman. So instead of the postman having to carry bags of letters and parcels, it's all in a little robot that has a camera that fixes on the back of the, the postie's legs and follows the postie around the town. So there are some interesting things there, but I think a lot of what's happening really is not so visible. And it's things like uh, delivery route optimization. It's technology around predicting delivery. And that's there's a lot of focus on that at the moment. And I think that from an e-commerce retailer's perspective, these are the things that are going to be you know, a little bit more um, concrete, a bit more real, a bit more tangible when it comes to improving the entire delivery experience. So what I'm what I'm kind of getting, if I can paraphrase you a bit here, Ian, is that the cool stuff already exists. What you know, the bright, shiny, exciting things are out there. What's going to be interesting over the next couple of years is that businesses use them to increase efficiency, lower costs, improve customer service. Basically, uh, it's kind yeah, of kind of like that, reaching that more yeah. mature evolution of the industry. Well, and as you've probably covered this a dozen times on your podcast already, but that first generation of of e-commerce was all about price. It was cheaper. It's more available. And now from a delivery perspective, it's about the experience. Mm -hmm. So whereas people were really prepared to wait three, four, five weeks for purchases, it's it's still there, that that, um, preparedness to wait, but it's really about that delivery experience and all these things we've been talking about today. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I think we should go into the top tips round now. Um, and I love this section because it gives us some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So Ian, the first one is the book top tip. If everybody listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? A book I'd recommend to anyone in e-commerce, in retail, in delivery, is it's a book called Retail's Last Mile. Uh, the subtitle is illuminating. Why online shopping will exceed our wildest predictions. It's by Jonathan Reeve, and Jonathan's Jonathan's great value. In fact, I had him on the podcast episode sixty-eight. In case you're interested in listening to it, episode sixty-eight of the Postal Hub podcast. But Jonathan's. Uh, got a great background in retail. He was involved in Tesco.com. Uh, he's worked at Coles Supermarkets in Australia, not just stacking shelves, you know, in a strategic sort of role. And in this book, he really breaks down some of the really, really important things when it comes to delivering e-commerce from understanding delivery, new delivery modes and how to get products to customers. It's a great book. So it's called um, Retail's Last Mile, and I thoroughly recommend it. It's by a bloke called Jonathan Reeve. 
Excellent. Okay, the traffic top tip. Which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? I'm a big fan of go where your customers are. And for me, my customers are all on LinkedIn. That's <laughs> <laughs> basically, I, I know it's not particularly revelatory there, but um, fine. I, I did a lot of surveying when I first started doing the podcast. Where are my customers? And that's why I worked out they are all on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, uh, Google Plus is dead. Forget about it. Um, my people aren't on Pinterest. Uh, very not, not really on Twitter. They're really all on LinkedIn. So go where your customers are. That, that's that's my non-revelatory tip. Perfect. Uh, the tool top tip. There may be a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? Well, I'm a team of one. Uh, so it's, uh, there's, there's not a lot of other people to to to, to manage here, but um, I am a big fan of uh, some of the online organising tools, even the ones that you use, Chloe, in your own business. I know um, it's, it's just get your your online calendar sorted out, and it'll improve your productivity so much. Uh, I can't believe it's taking me so long to come around to the way I'm thinking of getting it all organised online. But alerts, and uh, I just basically use I use Google Calendar. I know it sounds awfully low tech again, but it's improved my productivity immensely. Awesome. Okay. And the last top tip, the growth top tip. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them? As I'm a delivery guy, I would say you've got to read some of the research when it comes to making your delivery options transparent and easily understood early on in the purchase process. This is crucial, I think, for, for e-commerce. And when I buy online, I, I boggles my mind at how overlooked this is. It's crucial for me as an e-commerce customer that I know when my parcel is going to be delivered and how much it's going to cost at the beginning of the process, as early as possible in my purchase process. And it infuriates me endlessly I don't get that information until basically checkout time. Right? That's just not good enough because the tools are there now for you to give the customer information at the beginning of the process. And this is all the more so if that customer lives in an area where they might be subject to a rural surcharge um, or things like that. You have to give them the information up front. Doing that creates a transparency and, in my opinion, a loyalty. Once I trust an e-commerce website to do the right thing by me in terms of delivery, I'm going to keep on going back and back and back. And I'm not just talking about Amazon here. I'm talking about any e-commerce website. You have to give that information up front and don't give people any surprises. And that's, that's a problem that's been identified in recent research actually by Citizens Advice in the UK is that when you give customers a surprise at the end, you know, that's the thing that kills the sale. We talk a lot about, you know, making the, the, giving visibility of the shipping times, et cetera, at, you know, at some point. But if you hide these rural surcharges well, as well or you don't make them obvious early in the purchase process, that can kill your sale. And it's within the UK if we take that example. If you've got a standard flat shipping rate within the UK but you impose a surcharge on rural or remote deliveries, you've got to make that visible up front. Otherwise, you're ticking off a huge, a, a, a huge potential market. And the same goes for shipping cross-border. You've got to make these things vi visible up front. Don't say at the very end, sorry, we can't ship to your country. You've got to somehow find a way to communicate all these things to your customers up front. 
I know I'm, I'm really ranting about this, Chloe, but I really feel quite no, strongly about this. It's such yeah. an important point and it has been for years and it is frustrating and it's one of those reasons why you will lose orders if you're not putting it out there. So I think it's I think it's a great tip. Um, Master Plan World, you can find the top tips and links to everything else we've been chatting about in today's episode by going to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast where you will see a link to this show. Ian, before we say goodbye, could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your podcast on the web and social media? The Postal Hub Podcast's website is thepostalhub.com. If you head on to iTunes, you'll just be able to find uh, Postal Hub there if you're an iTunes person. And we're going to be offering an, a, an Android alternative very soon. So hopefully by the time this makes it to air, there'll be an Android alternative to listening to the podcast as well. I'm on Twitter just for the hell of it. Um, I share all kinds of interesting e-commerce and delivery news there on Twitter. So Postal Hub Pod is the handle. And if you're on LinkedIn, I've got a company page there. Just search for the Postal Hub Podcast. Awesome. I'll add links to all of that and everything else we talked about today in the show notes. Masterplan World, you can find those at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, or just go to the website, click on the podcast tab or use the search box. Ian, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's been great diving into the crazy world of delivery. Um, So thank you very much. Thanks, Chloe. It's been a pleasure. Okay, guys. So a little bit of a crazy run through the world of delivery there. I think the the key things to take away are that don't focus on what Amazon's doing and what um, Screwfix are doing and what the guys who've really got delivery sewn up are up to, those who are raising the bar. Rather, work out what your customers want from you. What is the delivery they want? What is the delivery? What's frustrating them about your delivery process? And then put that in place and find the solutions that are working for them. So don't focus on the big, scary com- competitors and what they're doing. Focus on what you can deliver for your customers. And if you want to um, to really get the right options, then maybe finding a delivery consultant would be a good first step. Or if you're using um, an outsourced fulfillment center, then see what they can do for you, see what they can tap you into, because that often enables you to bundle up your scale with other retailers, which will get you a better deal and get you access to some of these advanced services. For me, in-flight communications to your customers are just a no-brainer because they're going to save you so much time and effort in terms of customer service. Pudo is something you should be considering because of just, just the customer service benefits are just so obvious. And there's lots of options for that these days too. So it's quite easy to tap into those. Um, what else do we talk about? Oh, and then um, we were talking about the importance of getting it right on your website. So, so critical to get that delivery information in front of the customer because you once they get to that checkout, you do not want them to find anything they're not expecting. You just want them to go through. And from the days I first started in e-commerce way back in the early 2000s, right through to now, delivery and returns are consistently top one, top two items of why customers fail to purchase in every single survey. Why did you abandon your basket? Why did you not check out? Why did you choose that person over that person? Again and again and again, it comes down to delivery and returns. And the step one of getting that right in front of the customer is to put the right information in front of them so they can make that qualified decision at the beginning. There is, of course, my book, E-Commerce Delivery, which is all about the strategy to get the first order and to get the repeat order. If you want to grab a copy of that, it's on Amazon. Um, If you've got questions and thoughts about delivery, uh, preparing for this, 
podcast we had quite a few debates about it in the in the facebook group so if you've got questions and thoughts that you want to raise then please do join in the chat the facebook group that is the e-commerce masterplan world facebook group or you can find it via ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash facebook oh i think that's enough for today have a great week all of you and keep optimizing thank you for listening to the e-commerce masterplan podcast find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com